Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Politically Incorrect News. Now, it's the next day for you, but it's the same day for us. We're going to continue the conversation. Now, part of the conversation that I want to go into is still going along with this gun control and the school shooting and everything else. We're going to continue that. Now, I have a question for David and Sarah, and I want both of your inputs here. What is the best way for us to protect the kids in schools? Sarah, do you want to go first on this, or do you want me to go? Okay. This topic I've been asked before. Me personally, there's as long as you know mental capacity is there, stability, and all that stuff. How many veterans do we have that are unemployed right now? Uh, there is no way to tell. Yeah, there, there's a lot. Now, as long as these veterans are mentally stable um, and can per, uh, can productively uh, perform uh, their jobs correctly, why not put the veterans as the uh, guards that carry firearms inside these schools to protect said children? Um, as well as even, I know some people were kind of frowned upon, but uh, what we have here in Florida is the Guardian program. Um, and I know I know some people thoughts on the Guardian program of teachers carrying guns, but uh, when when I worked as a firearms instructor at a range, I actually had the uh, the great uh, ability to actually work with law enforcement to teach the Guardian program back where I lived. Um, and it's no easy process for these teachers. They literally don't get paid for it. They literally have to come on their own time to learn this. And on top of that, uh, they have to do all of the same training as law enforcement do for firearms. So what you're saying is the they're not just... The teachers aren't coming into school and they're just handing them an AR-15 and a sidearm. Nope. They are going through the same training procedures as your law enforcement officers are. That is a very, a very, very important point to that. Because from the common person that doesn't know any better, they hear about the Guardian program and, oh, that just means that they're just going to give a gun to any anyone that walks through the door that's a teacher, and then we might have the same issue that happens with them because they're not mentally stable and capable and yada, yada, yada. They don't know how to handle a firearm and yada, yada, yada. So that is important to know that this Guardian program is not just, here's your AR-15, here's your sidearm, Go protect my kids. And, and that's the biggest thing is people, when they hear about it, they think that. Right. Um, but they, these teachers, um, before they even came 
to train at the facility that I worked at uh, with me and uh, two law enforcement officers that are trained uh, instructor uh, instructors. They had to not only go through an extensive background check, as our law enforcement had to, but they also had to go through a psyche eval uh, before important. that as well. So not only do they have to go through the same training, and that's, believe it or not, uh, was have to be 70 hours of training. That is a lot. 70 hours of training on their own time. Not paid. That's not the paid. important part. Not they, paid. they are not paid by anyone. And that is an important thing. they have to purchase their own Firearms uh, and ammunition. Firearms and ammunition yep. during that training, too. So that is not given to them at all. They are not paid for it at all. This is sacrificing their own time, their own money, to do something to help protect these kids. That's correct. That is an important part. Yep. Do you have anything to add? There should also be things inside the... The classrooms that are like little rooms that they can put these children in so that said teacher could uh, protect them. Right. So there is, um, I forget which state it was, that everybody on this podcast knows. If they've listened to my podcast before, they're going to know where I'm going with this immediately. Seen a video on TikTok of a school somewhere here in the United States that has a um, one of them has a piece of equipment or tool that they can put in the door that will prevent the door from being opened. And I don't know about every school in the United States, but I know the schools that I went to, if you put that in the door, you ain't getting in that door. No no matter what you try to do, you could use a battering ram to try to get through it because them doors are built thick. At least the ones that I went to school in. Now, like I said, not, not saying that that's every school in the United States, but at least the school that I went to, if they put that in there, they are not getting through there. There was a second video I seen where there is a collapsible room that they have in the corner that is now, I just seen it like maybe a, a week or two ago, that they can fold it out and not only is it bulletproof, like completely bulletproof, but it can also be used in the, in the instance of like a natural disaster, like tornado or something that can protect the kids. Now, with that being said, there's an issue that I have with the way that they do this right now for those schools that don't have these in place that makes it easier for a person who's going to commit these atrocities to do makes them easier to pick their targets we already talked about the gun-free zone that that's uh, that's an automatic uh, that's a given and we know that the gun-free zones are going to be a target-rich environment schools are target-rich environments i hate to say it like that and sound so cold-hearted but if you put a label as a gun-free zone on anything, it's going to give a criminal 
or someone who's intending to do harm to anyone basically gives them a green light and says, here's your target. Kill as many people as you can before the cops come. Because in general, in general, those those of, of, of us who have had to call law enforcement for anything, have to call 911 for anything, generally, and I'm going leave it, to leave it open, generally how long does it take for them to respond? Depends on the location. Depends on the location. Yeah. But on average. On average, usually if it's a dire emergency, you're looking at 15 minutes because they got to go through traffic. They got to go through all those lights. Um, and it, it could be the simplest a light that has a crap ton of cars. Right. That takes, what, three minutes? Right. Even best. for everybody to move out of the way. Yeah. Three minutes at best. And. That's not including if you live further ways away. You're looking at 30 minutes at that point. Right. So so anybody who's gone through any kind of disaster or any kind of emergency or anything, even as simple as a car accident, even a minute, how long does a minute feel? Long time. Long time. A minute feels like an eternity. 60 seconds, when you... When you say a minute, 60 seconds, it at first it doesn't seem like it's that much. So when you would say 15 minutes for them to respond, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of time. They could get there pretty quick. But in a life or death scenario, such as a school shooting, 25 seconds is long enough to kill what? Even even with a bolt action, you could kill how many people in 25 seconds? In 25 seconds, I can cycle my bolt almost 13 times. 13 times with a simple bolt action. And that is a high-powered rifle. Right. Lower-powered? Hell, a twenty-two will kill someone. Right. You can cycle that thing a good 20 times in 20 seconds. Right. Second a shot. Right. And is that for bolt action, or is that for semi-auto? That's a bolt. That's a bolt action. Someone that has been around firearms, you can cycle that bolt faster, than, uh, sometimes just as fast as what a semi-automatic rifle would do. Okay, so so therein lies another argument for semi-automatics to be gotten rid of. How, how would getting rid of semi-automatics help a situation? It wouldn't. Because my personal opinion on that is what... What would you rather fight? If, if, if it came down to it and you were one of these teachers uh, or people that had to defend themselves against uh, uh, a shooter, would you rather fight an AR-15 to where they're having to get close to you or would you rather fight someone that is trained with a long-range firearm? Inside of the school, I'd probably want to be fighting someone who's skilled with long-range because... It's up close and personal, so they're not going to be as good. Oh, but here's the thing. What if they're using that long-range rifle? What would you rather fight? Well, in, in, in response to that, I would have to say... An AR. I would have to say an AR in response to that particular thing. But how many ARs are really built for short range? Not too many. But most of the time... If you look at, say, all these shootings in the schools, I've only seen maybe two cases to where an AR-15 was used at long range. Right. 
and Las Vegas was one of them from the hotel. Well, <laughs> there's where listening to my podcast would have come in because you, you would already know my stance on that. Right. You know me personally. Correct. So you know a little bit about me. You know how much of a, a conspiracy theorist I am. Absolutely. So as far as the the Vegas shooting, that. personally, I don't believe that it was AR-15s. I don't re- believe that it was bump stocks. And I don't believe it was one person. I 100% believe FBI was involved. 100% listening, just listening to the sound that came from it, I can tell you that it was not a bump stock. Well, and and I'm going to add into this um, because one of the biggest things that uh, that uh, I did was I was a range officer first off mm-hmm. uh, most of the time, and one of the biggest things that went through that range were bump stocks. They have a very distinct sound. Right. Very distinct. I, and I, I watched that video multiple times um, because at that time I was actually a range officer um, at that time. Listening to the sounds, I can tell you right then and there, it was not a bump stock. Okay. Now and, you've also heard the sound in real time, in real life, in person. Yep. Have you heard the difference between semi-automatic Bump stock and full automatic. Absolutely. I actually built all of those. Okay, so in reference to that, somebody who has had experience with that, hearing the video of Vegas, mm-hmm. would you say that was a semi-automatic bump stock or full auto? With that, was not a bump stock. I can tell you that right now. Right. All right? Because they have indistinct sounds. Mm-hmm. Someone rapid-firing a semi-automatic rifle... Maybe, but the way that that sounded, if it was by chance a semi-automatic rifle, there was not just one shooter. Okay. Okay. If anything, it vaguely almost sounded fully automatic. Now, see, there's where I would differ from you. Okay. Because knowing what I know about full automatic, semi-automatics, and bump stocks. Mm-hmm. Semi-automatic means one pull of the trigger, one one round. Yes. Bump stock, same thing. It reacts to the recoil of the rifle, pushing the rifle back into the stock of the bump stock, which there is a spring that pushes it forward. That is correct. But you have to train yourself for a long time to be able to Hold your finger in one spot and your hand without holding on to the rifle with your whichever one you're holding the trigger on. Right. Without grabbing the rifle and stopping it from moving to make it function as a full automatic. And believe it or not, uh, a lot of those um, bump stocks, nine times out of ten, a simple person that just bought one had more malfunctions on their firearm than a normal full automatic or semi-automatic right. because of that design that you were saying of. There were so many malfunctions because of that. And so you would say that someone off the street never used one before. You're going to have a malfunction. You're going to have a malfunction. Absolutely. Now, would you agree that the sound between fire, mm-hmm. if it was a bump stock, 
even someone who's trained with them and knows them well enough. I can tell you. What. Would you say that the amount of time between fires would remain consistent? Yes. Would well, they sound close enough to the sound of a fully automatic? Close, but there is an there is a fair difference between a bump stock and a full auto mm-hmm. because of that notion of it. Mm-hmm. You have a small, small if you're not trained or, or you, you haven't heard it, right? You would not know the difference. But there is a very small window between shots of a bump stock and a full auto. By far. If you if if someone say me for instance, if I looked at that like I said, I looked at that video, I could tell you it wasn't a bump stock because of the sound. Right. Now on the notion of multiple shooters, I'm gonna say, yeah, there was probably multiple shooters. Because even with reloading or switching firearms, there was way too much fire going on for it to be one person. Right. Now, one thing, I'm going to hit this real quick. Yeah. And then we're going to go back to our subject because we went off chasing rabbits there for five minutes. Yep. One thing that everyone seems to, to, and not everyone, some of us out there that are, that are smart enough to think about it. We've seen it and we automatically knew. But one of the biggest problems with that whole shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada, was if it was a single shooter. The picture of this guy, number one, first and foremost, this guy is not in shape. He is not an athletic individual. With the amount of gunshots that were coming from those windows, what a lot of people missed is some of those windows were not on the same floor. Some of those windows weren't on the same side. So in order for that much firepower to come out of those three or four windows, this guy would have not only had to been in shape, he'd have had to have been an Olympic athlete to make it from window to window with that short amount of time in firepower. Not only that, is most rifles, what, weigh seven pounds? Seven pounds, is a, seven pounds is a light, a very light AR-15. Right. Just that alone, I've seen a normal person come off the street that just bought a rifle within 30 minutes, mm-hmm. just holding just that seven pound rifle, standard AR, they're tired. Mm-hmm. That's not including... Running. This is sitting in an indoor range with air conditioner, standing still, shooting at a target that doesn't move. They're tired within thirty minutes. Right. All right. That's well. If it, that gives you any points. Well, for for sake of argument, before uh, before somebody comes on here and see and hears this and says, "Well, this is." Remember, they said that when they went in and raided the place. There was guns scattered throughout the whole Correct. apartment. Correct. So, in reference to that, he wouldn't have to run with the rifle from window to window. But, holding said rifles, like you said, for a certain amount of time, it's going to take a lot out of you. Yeah. 
And with running from window to window, that would make it even harder. Not, not saying that they were particularly accurate, because they were just shooting randomly. Right. But, at the same time, there's the argument. But, no matter what the response is for that, let's go back. Yes. <laughs> Stop chasing the rabbits and go back to our original. So we have the equipment that they can put in the doors that will keep the door from opening. We have the pop-out room from the corner that can protect them from gunfire and from natural disasters. Both of these are very, very, very good things to have and good ideas to put in place for all our schools. But we're still missing one key thing. One key piece that would help this entirely. Yes, we also mentioned the Guardian program. Or veterans. Or veterans. Why is it that we mark our schools as gun-free zones and our banks as gun-free zones? But our schools have only a truant officer, which there's usually only one who's armed with a taser and a 9mm unless he goes out to the car and grabs the AR out of the car or the shotgun out of the car. Right. Yet, we have banks that are patrolled not by one, but a lot of times two different officers, and they always are either in their vehicle right next to their AR, or they're inside at the door. With the AR. With their AR. Yep. Why is it we feel that our money and our banks is way more important to protect than the lives of our children? And see, that's that's the thing. Because me personally, I believe that that officer shouldn't be just one. Should be at least, my honest opinion, four. Depending on the size, uh, depending on the size of the school, correct? Absolutely, I agree. Uh, Now, now, here's where here's here's one that I have to mention Mm -hmm. because being that I was an ROTC brat in high school, I went to multiple schools around the nation. Right. We did our trips and did drill meets around the nation. We seen all sorts of different schools, different sizes, and everything else. I would say, as a standard, as a standard for any school. Around the nation, including the small ones, three officers will suffice. Okay. Three. Because then you can have one that's at the door, one that's in their car, and one to travel the halls. I can understand that. In a place like Tifton, Georgia, now anybody who listens to this, if you've ever been to that high school, you're going to know where I'm going with this. Tifton High School is by far the largest high school I have ever been to in my entire life. The mall here in Lakeland, from the north side where Sears used to be, to Urban Air. And if you go online and you look at this mall, you're going to see the size of this. The length of the mall from inside at Sears' door to Urban Air's door is not as long as the hallway in Tifton, Georgia. That high school has a hallway longer than that. 
And that's only one hall. They have five. This high school is massive. For a school like that, I'd probably put... No, I'd put more. I'd put more than five officers. Because remember, one in the car, one at the door, one in the hall for the small schools. For this one, I'd probably put seven seven or eight officers in that school. Now, you're going to have people that are on here that hear this and go, well, that's just adding more guns into an already chance of having problems. Yes, you are. And yes, they are human. There is a chance that they could lose their shit and go crazy and start shooting people. But that's why I say three. Because if one does go rogue, there's still those other two officers that are also in the school with their firearms. You would have the Guardian program in place with the teachers that have firearms. And you would also have the door, tools, and the safe room that pops out inside the classroom. With all of that included, what are the chances that we're going to lose more than, more than, uh, let me stop right there before I go. One is too many. One is too many to lose. But what are the chances, with all of that being put in place, what is the chances of us losing more than one? Very slim. You know, well, what, you know what I mean. What, yeah. uh, why would that be a slim chance to lose more than one? Well, depending on, uh, you know, I can understand if, if you lose one, if, if all those are in there. But you also got to look at it as... Um, some of these schools have outside recess. Right. If they open fire there, it's going to be more than one. Right. Obviously. But but if the, the teachers are carrying... For the inside or if the teachers are carrying, that number drops from whatever it would have been down right. to the ballpark range. So what, so what we're saying... Uh, what, what you're saying is... And I hate to I hate to say it this way because I know that the leftists and the anti-gunners are going to be like, well, that's the argument you always have. Mm. But how true is it? The more guns, the safer. Yes. How true is that? Very true. Why? Well, the biggest thing is is look at the look at the old west. Someone pulled a gun. All right, one person pulls a gun. Mm -hmm. On a child. And 10 aiming back at him. You think he's going to be able to pop that shot? No. He might. He might pop one. Right. After that one. He's done. He's done. Okay. There's your example. Yeah. Right there. That's where I was trying to get at. Yeah. Because your argument is one is too many. Yes, we agree. One is too yep. many. But if there was a chance that instead of only losing one... How, how terrible it is to lose that one, because every life is precious. Right. Why do you bring up, not you guys, because you guys are going to be on the same page as me, but why, you anti-gunners, why do you bring up the argument that 
putting more guns makes our kids more in danger if the simple truth of the matter is with more guns you have quicker response which means that you could cut that down from maybe 12 kids and three teachers that get killed in one day to one teacher or one kid so why are you going to bring that up and say well if we shouldn't have them at all say somebody doesn't go say somebody doesn't go into a school with a gun let's not even let's not even go the the next uh level from a gun and let's not even say they bring a sword or a knife let's just say they come into school with and I'm going to go as as low as I can go without sounding ridiculous. A 2x4. They just walk into the, in, into school with a 2x4. How many how many kids and how many adults are they going to kill before somebody can respond? It all depends on how fast they can swing that thing. Right. Because just a simple 2x4. Heck, a baseball bat is made from almost the same exact thing. Right. All right. And if you take a baseball bat and you know what you're doing, you can kill somebody real I, fast with a baseball bat. Yeah, one kill somebody in certain areas of the body because they're just just for instance a, a headshot. Yeah, uh, dude, swing at the head. You if you swing it hard enough, you're going to kill them. But look at it this way: you got you got children, right? right. And kids kids are they're automatically they're they're still form and they're still aging. Yes, and until 25, they're not fully developed. No. One, it wouldn't even have to be a baseball bat. Right. It could be. It could be a swing from a fist. Right. Could kill a child. Exactly. And that's where I wanted to go, or didn't want to go because I don't want to sound absolutely ridiculous. Because somebody comes in there with just their fist. Oh, somebody could fight them off. Yeah, somebody could. You're right. But what if, if somebody comes in with just their fist? What's the answer? Yeah, fight them with what you got. Which exactly. is a fist. Exactly. That's equal equal force, is it exactly. not? So if that be equal force, if somebody comes in with a fist, just their hands, to kill people, how are you going to fight them off? To stop them, you're going to use your hands. You're going to use your hands, which is equal force. So why wouldn't we put that same logic into firearms? Exactly. Instead of punishing those of us who are law-abiding citizens who buy these things not just to go out and kill people, because there's some people that will do that, but those of us who are law-abiding citizens that buy these to protect our home and protect our family, why are you going to take that away from us just to maybe, maybe make places safer? And not just schools, but maybe make people safer. You, you want my honest opinion? Go ahead. Control. There you go. That's the root cause of it. <laughs> that is the root cause of it. And I'm glad you went that direction because that is another episode of, on my podcast that I did. This is not... The gun control is... Gun control is less about the gun and more about control. Yep. And this returns back to what happened in China. What happened in Russia? What happened in Germany? What happened in Cuba? 
what happened in Venezuela. There is five examples right there off the top of my head that I can give you of why gun control is such a bad idea. Well, the, the biggest thing, and, and you said it, um, we actually had a world war out of this. Right. And that was Nazi Germany. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it spilled over into Russia. Yep. And Russia was doing the same thing. Exactly. So, so there's an example right there of why gun control is a absolute terrible idea. It's less about making you safe. They're going to voice it as that. They're going to tell you, hey, we're taking these away to make you safer. In reality, they're taking it away so that you cannot defend yourself against them. And one of the one of the biggest things, and I, I'm not trying to get any off topic or anything, but uh, one of the biggest things that uh, most countries say, and most of the civilians in each country say, is America is not scary due to the fact that uh, it's such a big country, or, or it's military, it's military or anything like that. One of the biggest terms that fly around so much and it's not just here in america but it flies around every country and i've heard it through many uh and i i have a friend that's in the uk and they said the biggest scare uh of people trying to attack america is that there is a gun behind every blade of grass then that was said by the japanese general at the time of world war ii yep. now in reference to that, being that you worked in the industry, you, you're going to be able to confirm this as an actual statistic. Mm -hmm. The argument for gun control is that there are more guns in this nation in the hands of the private citizen than there is hands to hold them. That is, yeah. So the amount of people in this country, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 and something million people, correct? Yeah. And the amount of guns out there is somewhere in the neighborhood of about four and a half million, right? It, to be honest, the number is going to be very hard. To right. It's going to be hard yeah. for us to tell the exact number, but over the amount of legal gun sales mm -hmm. that are put into the background checks for people to have mm -hmm. is roughly in the neighborhood of about four, uh, four and a half million. Uh, not, not four and a half million. Four and a half hundred thousand, or hundred million. Yeah, four and a half. I am having I trouble get, getting this out, but so yes. I'll give you an example. Um, so I'm going to use COVID for, for instance. Right. Okay. Just COVID alone. When, because we worked through COVID. All right, we were right. right there in the store while COVID was going on. So let me let me <laughs> let me throw this out there real quick for those of you who don't know. We are in Florida. Florida referred to gun stores as what was it again? What do they call it? Uh, necessary or necessary um, businesses to be open. Right, That's what we were told. Right, so they were. They were necessary to be open, kind of like your grocery store and your gas station. But that was all you could get. You couldn't go to anything like a, a vape shop or anything else. Those weren't necessary. Yeah. So during COVID alone, um, I've had first go and first gun owners coming. 
Right. Ones that never owned a gun to protect their home because right. they were scared. And I'm not saying just Republicans or or any. I'm saying people that have never owned a gun before. Never held one. Never held one or anything come in. And this is just my gun store uh, that I worked at. Come in to buy a gun for not only one, but their and their partner uh, to have. Uh, so usually two guns went out the store at that time. And that's on top of me having to go in with them and instruct them on how to use it. Right. Um, now, the most I've ever seen go out of our gun store by one person was 27 firearms. That is a lot. One sale. Damn. That is a lot of money. Okay. So, now, question then becomes, <laughs> did he get ammunition to go with it? Yes. Magazines? <laughs> magazines? Any upgrades? Anything like that? Or I'm, was it just guns, ammunition, mags? It was It was uh, a mix of all. Okay. Um, I uh, We're going off chasing rabbits here, but this is an interesting part of the conversation. <laughs> I must hear this. One, one sale, okay, and that was the 27 guns. It was over $47,000. Damn. Okay. $47,000. And that was 27 guns. And that was a mix between pistols, handguns, or hand, I'm sorry, handguns, rifles, shotguns, and mags, all the attachments, all, you know, various different attachments, and uh, rounds. I'm, I'm wondering if that guy got flagged. Believe it or not, uh, with it, you can only purchase so many handguns at one time, but rifles in Florida, as long as you have it on one background check, you can walk out with as many as you can purchase. Wow. But you still have to clear all the necessary federal, uh, depart- uh, federal Department of Law Enforcement uh, credentials to do so. But you can walk out with as many as you can purchase. So, in other words, what you're saying is it doesn't matter how many you want to buy, but as long as you can pass those background checks, everything checks out. Yeah. And um, See, if, somebody, if somebody's going to hear that and automatically think, well, that's a terrible idea. We need to limit that amount to X amount. You might be right. Maybe there's somebody out there who's mentally unstable, never went through anything in their previous uh, previous years and gotten on the radar and then just goes crazy one day and goes buys a bunch of guns and goes gets a bunch of ammo and goes out yeah that could stop that but mm. then again you're going to stop all the rest of the people that are buying firearms for sport shooting and everything and, else and to add to that i know sarah uh threw her finger up there um but one of the biggest things that uh as a gun salesman we also have the right, depending on the person that comes in. I've actually had it once uh, where I had a person that came in, wad of cash, I mean, size of your hockey puck there. Right. Okay, ready to buy as many guns as he wanted. Mm-hmm. But I felt there was something off about him. Mm-hmm. It just felt. Did odd. he pass background checks and everything? Pass background check and everything. Mm. But it felt off. Right. He did the background, he did all that, but him sitting there talking to me and stuff like that, something threw, you know, something just fell off. Mm-hmm. 
I canceled the sale. I canceled the sale. Right. And that's an important part for people that don't know. Yeah. That the the sale of rifles, handguns, and shotguns, just because you pass the background check doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to get that firearm. No. We actually, I actually canceled the sale. And on top of that, um, and I'm going to add this in because this is a, a big thing as well. We've actually had it uh, where I have ran a background check. Person's buying a gun, right? And my phone rings. Hello? This is, uh, you know, whatever shop I worked at. And on the other, other side of the line goes, this is FDLE. We have flagged that individual. We are sending an officer to you right now. Please hold him as long as you can. And usually I go, ah, all right, I appreciate it, thank you. And hang up and I go, I'm just waiting for the background check. It might be a few minutes. FDLE sometimes takes a long time. They're probably on their coffee break or whatnot. And so I get in conversation. Next thing I know, there's two sheriff's officers that come in, slap handcuffs, take them out. So there is examples of people that get caught by the background check trying to buy firearms that they're not supposed not to Not once, but I would say in my six years working there, 47 times. That's a lot. 47 times and where we've held people there without their knowledge, uh, just in simple conversation, until law enforcement showed up. Right. And that's 47 people that have actually went out of our store and handcuffs. handcuffs. Yep. You said you had something. What you got? There is, like, a couple of things that people don't realize is a lot of people use those said guns for, like, hunting and stuff like that. So if you make a stipulation on how many that you can purchase or how many like say rounds that you can purchase then that only knocks out half of what they are trying to do as in trying to feed their family like just in case like there I know of a family that has 11 children um they got a big huge family but the thing of it is they use hunting as their means of food or protection so if like for instance that person that bought 27 guns they may be using different guns to kill different things because you need different calibers to go and hunt for different types of animals mm -hmm. safely yes right right so in reference to that since you brought that up that actually brings me to another point um you have, for those of you who believe the the social uh, social media and mainstream media and some of these uh, people that are in politics saying that um, you wouldn't use an AR-15 to hunt a deer because there'd be nothing left mm. after you shoot it, mm. let's ask the, the, the person who has some experience with these firearms more than myself 
What what uh, what exactly happens when you shoot a, a for instance a deer with an AR-15? You have quite a bit of meat still left. The, right. So 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 when it hits, does does it explode? Does it just tear the the whole deer apart, or or what what happens? So, uh, one thing I'm going to say, and I know. The, the time is ticking, but a two two three is your civilian round. Right. The statement of a two two three is that it has the same circumference as a twenty two. Right. Okay. Uh most and I've used an AR fifteen to go hog hunting. Mm-hmm. And I've used that same exact round to go deer hunting as well. Mm-hmm. I've seen hogs and deer it hit and still run off, mm-hmm. and it that hole is no bigger than a twenty-two. Right. It's not going to blow a deer apart. It is. It's. Its actual um, caliber was built for wartime. Uh, it was built for. Oh uh, boy! Person. Yeah. Now you're going to give people ammunition. <laughs> They're going to be like, "Yep, see, I told you those are war weapons. Those are weapons of war." Right. Let me uh, let but. me just clarify something before we go any further yeah. with that conversation. Uh, just hold that thought. <laughs> Let's be clear about one thing. As far as this whole argument of weapons of war, anything. Give me a caliber of weapon that was made that was not intended for war. Don't worry, I'll wait. Yeah. I, I got uh, 14 and a half minutes I can wait. You're going to be waiting that even longer than that. Because every caliber in this world was built for the purpose of that. Okay, so if we're referencing these people that are saying we need to get rid of these weapons of war, then what weapons are we going to get rid of? It would have to be every single one of them. Every single one of them. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Every single one of them. That includes 16 gauge, 410, 12 gauge... If you five five six three oh eight thirty out six. If you look back, um, shit, World War One, World War Two, right when they were fighting in the trenches, what was the biggest, biggest up that we had in the trenches? I'm gonna stay quiet on this one because I know the answer. The trench gun. What, what you know? What the trench gun was? <laughs> Sarah. Sarah's not a World, uh, world War buff, uh, history buff like we are. Okay, so, example, for those of you who are like my wife who don't know what the trench gun is, the trench gun was it was actually banned from the the <laughs> this is this is actually a funny story. We it was banned from wartime because it was considered to be a war crime to use this weapon because it was so devastating in World War 1. And those of you who don't know the trench gun, it is a 12-gauge shotgun. That's all it is, is a 12-gauge shotgun. And the rest of the nations came together and said that it was an unfair advantage for the United States to have such a weapon of devastating power on the battlefield that they made it into a war crime to even use such a thing. So, because of World War I, we cannot have 12-gauges on the battlefield. But the trench gun was made specifically for war, which makes 12-gauge a war weapon. 
can I can I add one more thing? In? Go just for it. For, just for shits and giggles. Israel. Um, Israel. One of their uh, one of their uh, biggest claims to fame. Biggest claims to fame that I know of. Uh, not a lot of people do. Is oh, I know where you're going. A rifle that they use for stealth, uh, and it is a built-in suppressed 22 long rifle. They use to take out individuals in urban environments, and it was the most deadly. And they actually tried to get it banned just as the trench gun, and that was a 22 long rifle 22 long rifle also <laughs> attempting to be banned from the battlefield so 22 long rifle also put into the category of war weapons let's see how far can we go with this let's see 45 caliber let's see how many david stay quiet on this one because i know you know this answer sarah do you know how the 45 caliber came into being By the way, for those who don't know this story, this also includes the 9mm, 38, 357, and 44 Magnums. So, the way that the 45 caliber was brought into being, the whole purpose for designing this particular caliber was, and this is going to really piss off a bunch of people that are animal lovers, they wanted to see what caliber of weapon it would take to only take one shot to kill a full-grown cow. 9mm, 22, 357, 38, 45, 44 was all used in this experiment. 45 caliber ACP was the winner. With a single shot could kill a cow. So therefore, that knocks out 22, 9mm, 38, 357, 44, and 45 caliber all. So, now that we've covered 12 gauge, 55-38-357-44-What-do-we-have-left-308-Is-Used-In-War-That-Is-Actually-308-And-30-Out-6-Are-Actually-Common-Calibers-For-Rifles-In-Or-Long-Rifles-I-Should-Make-The-Distinction-
there, see, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this and wondering where we're trying to go with this, if your argument is that we shouldn't have weapons of war, Basically, anything in your household, you have weapons. Anything that you have is going to be considered a weapon of war. Because, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) here's, let me go to the absolute most ridiculous, absolutely most ridiculous weapon I've ever heard used in war time. And this was by a Marine. And this is a actual 100% You can look this story up and find out for yourself. I am not kidding you. It is not a joke. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? May as well throw out your spoons. Oh, God. May as well throw out your spoons. The reason why there was a Marine, a U.S. Marine, that used a spoon out of an MRE, a plastic spoon, to kill someone in a war environment. So a spoon is now a war weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, it does not stop until the only people that have firearms are the bad guys. And I don't mean just people trying to get into your house and steal stuff. I mean bad guys as in people trying to steal, um, political people, military, police, other countries that are intending to do us harm. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the list goes on and on. It, bad people are going to have it. They're not going to be held to the same standard as we are. The only thing that keeps this country safe, ladies and gentlemen, is the Second Amendment. Is it's it been true? proven that the Second Amendment, because it provides the people of the country an ability to keep and bear arms, keeps this country safe. Even Japan wouldn't step foot on the mainland because they were afraid that the minute they got on the, on the mainland, they'd be shot by unnumbered amount of civilians with firearms. Now, I know some of y'all that are history buffs are going to go, oh, but wait, Japan did step foot on mainland USA. Yep, they sure did, and they weren't there for long before they were captured. And why were they captured? Because those people that were in that area where they stepped foot in were armed. So... They had a reason to be scared of us. Can I? I'm just going to throw it back in history real quick, then, just just to really do it. The British during <laughs> 1776. Well, well, I mean, we didn't have to go that route because we all know <laughs> the story yeah. of why we won, and it wasn't because we had the strongest military. We actually had the weakest military in the world. One of the biggest things, the British general that was leading the armies, what he was scared of the most was not the army, because he could run and plow through them. He was afraid of the militias. And the militias were not held by the same standards. Why were we not held by the same standards? Because we weren't military personnel. We didn't have to engage by rules of engagement, which is why... Guerrilla warfare became a thing with Americans. Yes. Because we fought, as Americans that weren't military, we fought in guerrilla warfare. We would hide from them, and they called us cowards for it. The British actually called Americans cowards because we would hide in the trees and in the bushes and behind walls and everything else and engage them from cover 
and kill them while they were trying to stand in line and do the whole Revolutionary War type of warfare where they would just stand in line, load, fire, and then the next one behind them would fire, then they'd load, they'd fire. And it, doing it in that kind of way, they learned that warfare had changed. And that's the one thing you can guarantee in life, it's not going to stay the same. Warfare is always going to change. Just So do you prepare for it and keep yourself safe, or do you say because it's too dangerous to have, let's get rid of them? you got to prepare. you got to prepare. It, it's, it, it comes to my favorite saying from uh, the military, uh, specifically Marines. Adapt, overcome. Adapt and overcome. So, we're running out of time again. We're going to do one more episode before we call this a day. And for us it's a day, but for you it's been two already. So you're going to have a third episode of this guest speaking. Um, But before I do, anything you would like to add to the end of this, David? The last episode, I will say real quick. Uh, We were talking about purchasing firearms over the state line. It could also be attached to this. Say, for instance, you come from a different state. Right. You go to purchase something here in Florida. It has to match whatever your laws are in your state. So, in reference to this, somebody, for instance, from California couldn't go to, let's say, for instance, Indiana, where it's some of the most relaxed gun laws in the nation, and go buy, let's say, an AR-15 from there, could could they purchase it from there? It would have to meet their standards. So, their so being California is such a gun restricted state, they couldn't even buy a, a sidearm. No, if it was outlawed or illegal to purchase in their state, they could not purchase it. Outside okay, of so state. so with that being an, uh, being a thing, um, I know this this is going to come up in the conversation or the argument. Um, say that they have a um, a ID that they obtained illegally that is not a legal ID, it's a fake ID that says they're from a different state. How are y'all going to, uh, how are you going to know? Well, the biggest thing is, is, uh, when you input that into FDLE for the background check, it will actually flag them. Right. But we're not talking Florida though. Okay. We're talking does, a, it, another state. How, how is it gonna? How is it gonna be that way? It doesn't matter um, because everything goes through the law enforcement uh, of that state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that person is not, uh, if they put an address down, say it's a false ID, mm-hmm. their address, their actual address, is in the system. So, so there's no faking it. No, there's no faking it. Okay. I, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah. we are running low on time here. Yes, so <laughs> I, I'm just trying to get you to give me the quickest answer possible. Right. So we have one minute left. Do you have anything to add? Nothing. Nothing to add. All right. Well, with that being said, like always, I'm going to end it like I always do. Stay safe. Keep your family safe. Pray. And God bless America.